Well, it's a good morning, isn't it? Today, churches around the world gather to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's a day where Christians everywhere greet one another by saying, He is risen. Absolutely. So today you likely won't be surprised to hear that the subject matter of my sermon is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But today, instead of focusing on one of the resurrection narratives from the Bible, I'd like to show you from the Bible what the resurrection means and why it matters for you. I want to give you some reasons to care more about Christ's resurrection. And to do this, I want to answer three questions from many different Bible verses which will be on the screen. Here are the questions we'll consider today. What does Christ's resurrection tell us about him? What does Christ's resurrection tell us about his followers? And why does Christ's resurrection matter for everyone? That's where we're going today. But first, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this beautiful service thus far and for the wonderful words we've sang that remind us that we are people that have hope in Jesus Christ. It is a living hope, and we thank you for this reminder. And we ask that you'd guide us in our thinking for the next few minutes as we consider your words and what they say about Jesus and what they say about us. Lord, guide us deeper into your truth, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to see in several texts that Christ's resurrection is the living God's plan to rescue us from eternal death. Christ's resurrection is the living God's plan to rescue us from eternal death. And when I say eternal death, I'm talking about the final judgment, which is death after this life, sometimes referred to as hell or the second death, eternal punishment. Today, I have the privilege to tell you the good news of how the true and living God of the Bible, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, plan to rescue people like you and me from that fate of eternal punishment, eternal death. His plan came to us through his risen son. Now, let's start by considering our first question together, which is this. What does Christ's resurrection tell us about him? The first thing it tells us about him is that he told the truth. While he was walking and talking with his first followers, Jesus Christ predicted his death and resurrection several times. If you've read the gospel stories, the gospel narratives, you will have seen this over and over, that Jesus predicted that he would die and be raised on the third day. The cross and the resurrection was God's plan. It is God's plan. God the Father sent him, the Son, to be the Savior. And he would save his people by reconciling them to God through his death and resurrection. In Luke 18, verses 31 to 33, it says this of Jesus. And taking the twelve, this is before his death and resurrection, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. 
So this is no small feat. Think about it. Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection fulfilled both the words of the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets, the writings of the Old Testament, and the words from his very mouth. The details of these events are not only extraordinary because of what took place, but also because what took place was exactly what Jesus and the Bible said would happen before they took place. I mean, can you predict what next week's going to look like for you? Can you predict ice storms, sicknesses, or canceled traveling plans? Now, how about this? Can you predict how you're going to die? When you're going to die? Can you tell people that you'll rise again on the third day and do it? <laughs> do you catch how remarkable Jesus is? To not only do these things that history books cannot honestly deny, but to also tell us in advance that these things will happen. And history shows us that what he said did come true. When he spoke, it was the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What kind of man is Jesus? Think about it as we continue. What else does Christ's resurrection say about him? Second, it tells us that he's alive today. Where is Jesus' body today? The Bible says after his resurrection, he miraculously ascended to heaven. And who can disprove these claims? Where is his grave or the tomb that they put his dead body in after the crucifixion? The tomb is empty. Many tourists visit it every year, right? And what can we say about other religious leaders? Where is Mohammed? Where is his grave? His followers know full well it's in Saudi Arabia, and they visit it as a sacred pilgrimage. But that just shows us that death is still holding Mohammed down. But death cannot and is not holding Jesus Christ down. Because Jesus is more than a prophet. He is the Son of God. He has the power to beat death through his indestructible resurrection life. Jesus is who he says he is, and he is alive. Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since, catch this, he always lives to make intercession for them. This means that even today, Jesus is the living Savior. He is still saving people who call on him and draw near to God through him. He's not dead. He always lives to intercede, meaning to mediate or pray for those who come to him for salvation. So, a question for you to consider ponder this. Have you come to him? He always lives. He always saves those who come to him for salvation, for rescue, for deliverance. So have you come to him for salvation, for rescue, for deliverance? Ponder coming to Jesus today. The next thing Christ's resurrection tells us is that he is the Lord. Some of Jesus' final words on the cross were, it is finished, right? His life's work of living the perfect life that we could never live because of our sin and dying as a substitute in our place was finished. 
God's rescue plan for humanity was accomplished through the finished work of Christ. The cross was enough to bring us all the way back to God because it dealt fully and finally with our sin problem. And considering such humility and dying on the cross, God the Father raised him and honored him as Lord of all for all time. Which means everyone will meet Jesus for a final assessment of their life, whether you're a believer or not. He will be at the crossroads between this life and the next. We either meet him as Savior or as judge, but we will meet him. In fact, we will acknowledge that he is who he said he is. He is the Lord. To say that Jesus is Lord is to acknowledge him as the living God who revealed himself as Lord in the Bible. And everyone will bow the knee to him, either willingly in this life as believers or unwillingly on the final day before being punished for our unbelief. Listen to what Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11 says. It says, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Speaking of these verses, theologian Wayne Grudem says, By raising Christ from the dead, God the Father was in effect saying that he approved of Christ's work of suffering and dying for our sins, that his work was completed, and that Christ no longer had any need to remain dead. There was no penalty left to pay for sin, no more wrath of God to bear, no more guilt or liability to punishment. All had been completely paid for, and no guilt remained. In the resurrection, God was saying to Christ, I approve of what you have done, and you find favor in my sight. Christ's resurrection tells us that he told the truth. It tells us that he's alive and well today. And it tells us that he is Lord. Are you convinced of this personally? Are you a believer? Are you following Jesus? If so, you'll want to keep listening to see for yourself how Christ's resurrection benefits you as a believer. The next question we want to ask is this. What does Christ's resurrection tell us about his followers? First, it tells us that his followers have a living hope. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ from the dead. And we just heard a song. Uh, and, and saw a dance about this. By the way, didn't these young ladies do a great job? <laughs> the song they danced to was called Living Hope, which are words directly from this verse in 1 Peter, right? The Christian life is a, is a life marked by love, faith, and hope. But if our Savior died and did not rise from the dead, our hope would have died with him. 
right? We would, have, we would not have any hope of life um, now by faith or eternal life with him after the grave. Since if he remained dead, he would not be a living savior. Then the Christian story would be a story without hope ending in tragedy. But the Christian story is marked by a living hope and a happy ending for those who trust in Christ. Because our hope in our leader and savior is not buried in a grave. We have experienced a new life. God the Holy Spirit has caused us to be born again which means we've been given a new life from God above. We've crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life through faith in the risen Christ. Jesus is our hope in life and death, isn't he? And since he is risen, we can praise him now because the best is yet to come for us who believe in him. We have a living hope. Do you have this kind of hope today? Not just wishful thinking for good fortune and escape from life's troubles. But Christians have a living and true hope that anchors our souls through the storms, tragedies, and atrocities of life. Our living Savior gives us a living hope. He is indeed our living hope. What else does Christ's resurrection tell us about his followers? It tells us that we who follow Jesus don't need to be afraid of death. Woody Allen once said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) And how revealing are these words, right? How honest. He claims to be unafraid of death, but in the next sentence, it sounds like he really doesn't want to face it when it actually takes place. And I'm not picking on him. In fact, I think his words are more honest than most of us are. I think we try to avoid getting too close to the subject of death because we know it will one day come for us, right? I believe that all of humanity shares this common experience of the fear of death. Let's face it, at the core, when we take all the masks off, we are truly afraid of death. We're afraid to die. That is, until we come to Jesus for salvation. I believe this because this is what the Bible says. And here, I think, is an underrated benefit of following Jesus, of being a believer. The risen Christ actually delivers us. He rescues us from our lifelong slavery to the fear of death. Listen to Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 15. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood... He himself likewise partook of the same things that Jesus shared in our humanity. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. These are hopeful words. Because death stings us all and it's the last enemy of humanity. But Jesus will even destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. No one is greater or more powerful than Jesus. Not the devil, nope, not even death. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, didn't he? And he proved it by raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. He called this man who was dead for four days 
by name, and Lazarus came out of death back into life. He was raised from the dead through Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, who has power over death. You can read about it in John 11. He has power over death because he is the living God who brings and gives life. Death cannot hold Jesus down. He is the Lord of life and the Lord of glory who defeated death. And this is why we who believe in him should not be afraid of death. We can face it with hope, with a living hope, because death will not have the final word in our life. Jesus has rescued us from living under the dreadful fear of death. Now, I've been a Christian for a few years now, and as I look back at the many good things that happened when I trusted Jesus to save me, there are a few things that hit the top of the list and that I'll never forget. The first uh, was when I came to Christ, I remembered that my guilty conscience seemed to be cleaned, soothed, and quieted like never before. Do you remember when this happened to you? The second thing that happened, or the second thing that I really remember happening, was that my nightmares about uh, dying stopped. I used to have nightmares about dying and facing God. I no longer worry about where I'll go when I die. Through Jesus, my slavery to the fear of death has been removed. I'm no longer haunted by the prospect of meeting my maker one day. I'm ready by God's grace to meet him face to face and lock eyes with him. Are you? Are you ready? This is another reason to consider Jesus today. He delivers us from the slavery of living in the fear of death. Let's continue. Another thing that Jesus' resurrection tells us about his followers is that we have the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. In Romans 8, verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, believers, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Pop quiz for you. What do Justin Bieber, Steph Curry, Selena Gomez, Bubba Watson, and John Jones have in common? Do you know? Do you know? They all claim to be Christians. But how do we know if they're true Christians or not? Well, this isn't an easy question to answer. And it's not my intention to judge people that I have not ever met. But according to the Bible, one of the basic marks of a believer is that they have and are led by the Holy Spirit. Right? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gave believers a resurrection, a spiritual resurrection, and a new life, and he lives in us now. Romans 8, 9 says, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Then on in verse 14, it says, All who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So how do we know... Who belongs to Jesus and who doesn't? Ultimately, those who belong to Jesus, who belong to God, are his children, have the Spirit of God dwelling and leading them into a lifestyle that pleases him. This doesn't mean that Christ's followers are perfect, but it does mean that Christ's followers have the Spirit of Christ within them. 
And when the Spirit of Christ is in them, they become like him in their character and their lifestyle. They live and are led by the Holy Spirit. They live a holy life. So, do you say you're a Christian? If so, are you living and led by the Holy Spirit? If you're a child of God, you will be. Because God's Spirit dwells in you. Next, another thing Christ's resurrection tells us is that his followers will be raised from the dead by the same Spirit. Same verse, Romans 8, verse 11. It says, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Speaking of believers, over in Philippians 3, it says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This means that we who follow Jesus in this life and trust in his death and resurrection as our salvation will be raised from the dead as well. We will follow the leader, Jesus, We will experience a bodily resurrection like his bodily resurrection in the future. The Spirit of God gives life even to dead bodies. And if he lives in us, he will overcome the death of our mortal body with his resurrection life. He is the life giver. Where he goes, he brings life with him. Since he rose, we who believe in him will rise too with him. Author C.S. Lewis, who wrote many books, including the popular Narnia series, says this about Christ's resurrection. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. Like a driver swimming to the bottom of some great sea to retrieve a lost pearl. Christ's Christ reascending from his great dive is bringing up human nature with him. Where he goes, it goes to. And where he goes, believers go to. Since he's risen, we, his followers, will rise with him too one day. So let me ask you, where are you going? Where are you going? Not after the service, but after this life. Who are you following? Those who follow Jesus through the cross follow him through the resurrection too. Now, as we turn the corner in today's sermon, we're going to think of some more personal matters together because we're going to consider this question. Why does Christ's resurrection matter for everyone? The first reason is because the risen Lord will judge everyone on the last day. Acts 17, verse 30 and 31 says this. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God will judge the secrets of men and women by Christ. His righteous life is the standard. And there's no escaping the day God has fixed for us to lock eyes with Jesus. It's unavoidable. It's inevitable. Nobody falls through the cracks of his judgment 
God has appointed Jesus as the Lord who judges all of mankind. So in order to escape being judged guilty at this judgment day, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Meaning he calls us to turn from our sin towards Jesus. It means we need to stop resisting and running from him and turn around before it's too late. The Bible says all have sinned. Hence why God commands all to repent and believe in Christ for salvation from sin and its penalty. The good news is you have an opportunity to respond to Jesus today. The bad news is if you do not repent, you will perish. And when I say sin here, I'm talking uh, not only about the heinous things like murder, crime, or disobeying parents. All sin at its core breaks the greatest commandment, which is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. Since Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person, he alone has the right to judge mankind. And God has appointed him to this task of judging all of humanity. And the proof that he will indeed be the judge of everyone is that God raised him from the dead. He is a living savior and a living judge. Aware of all things. So, question for you. Where are you at with Judge Jesus? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. All of us are guaranteed to die and face judgment. Where are we at with Judge Jesus? So let's come to terms with our sin for a moment. God has given us a conscience, right? And what does our conscience tell us about our sin? It tells us that we're guilty of many, many things, doesn't it? But here's the good news. If we come to terms with the ways we fall short and we're honest about them and we speak them honestly to God and turn to Jesus for forgiveness, God will hear us. He will rescue us from the penalty that our sins deserve. Whoever we are, wherever we're at, wherever we're from, whatever we've done, whether you're in high school or in your retirement years, if we call on the name of the Lord to save us, he will clear our name on the final day. Jesus' death and resurrection is enough to save you from judgment day. Do you believe? If not, ask God to help you with your unbelief. Let's finish by considering the second reason Christ's resurrection matters for everyone. It's because he is the only Savior. There is no other. Now, I've saved the best for last. We've covered a lot of ground in a short time. But right now, we're going to get to the core of Christianity. Christianity is centered on Jesus, who is a living and powerful Savior. And he is the only person in the history of the world who is qualified to judge people for their sin and to save people from their sin. He is the Son of God. He never sinned, but he died for sinners like us. And you cannot find this salvation anywhere else or in anyone else because he alone is the Savior and there is no other. Let me tell you about a time when the early Christians went around telling everyone about the resurrection. It, you can read about this in the book of Acts, uh, particularly talking about that time in Acts 4 when we see the early church jo uh, leaders, John and Peter, 
uh, one of uh, two of uh, Jesus' first followers, they were arrested uh, by some religious higher-ups, some religious leaders. And the reason for the imprisonment or getting arrested may seem odd. It started because one day they saw a man who was born with a disability, was born crippled. And this man was asking for money. And Peter and John go around, uh, they didn't have money, uh, but they did actually have something to share. They, they actually healed this man in the power and the name of Jesus, who at that point in history had ascended into heaven. Note, they could not see Jesus anymore, but that didn't mean he wasn't active and working in the world. The power of Jesus' name was what actually healed this man. So the religious leaders were annoyed by all this, and so they asserted their authority over these men, and they arrested them. And the question they asked Peter and John was this, by what power and by what name did you do this? The miracle, the healing. And Peter's answer in Acts 4, verses 8 to 12 is priceless. Listen to what Peter says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is powerful enough to heal a crippled man. And the name of Jesus is powerful enough to save any man or woman who calls on his name for salvation. Because Jesus is alive. Amen? The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. To call on the name of the Lord means to call on the person of the Lord. And Jesus is the Lord who saves. His very name means salvation. The Lord saves, rescues, delivers. So today, if you sense your need for Jesus, call on him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's God's plan. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we have hope in Jesus, who is living, who sees us, who knows us, who is able to save, who constantly does save all who call on his name. And we pray that today, as we've heard your word, we would respond to it with faith, trusting in you, in Jesus' name.